and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Every day we stand in an epic spiritual battle between good and evil, and safety is of the Lord. This is Truth Dealer Radio. Warning believers to wake up and be sober, encouraging believers to stand on the word of God, and motivating believers to be truth dealers with a bold witness for Jesus Christ in these end times. And now the host of Truth Dealer Radio, Brian Moonen. It's Truth O'Clock. Praise God. Welcome back to Truth Dealer Radio, where no matter what time zone you're in, it's Truth O'Clock. Of course, the truth is God's word, and the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart, Hebrews 4.12. I'm Brian Moonen, and I'm sounding the alarm, asking you to wake up and join the battle for truth. Again, welcome back to Truth Dealer Radio. I had a few weeks to take a break, and I'm very pleased and thankful the way God worked all that out. We got a lot accomplished, a lot of blessings, and a lot of things taken care of that needed to be taken care of. Thank you for coming back and listening today. Today I want to talk about words. Words are important. Language is important. And speaking of Hebrews 4.12, the thoughts and intents of our heart, they can come out and manifest out of our mouth, out of our words out of our phrases, and the meaning behind it. And there's a lot in the Bible that can be learned about our words and our patterns and how our heart directs our words, how we need to try and control our tongue as well. Matthew 12, 34, the Lord said, For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. So words can portray our heart. It is true. People often like to say, You don't know my heart. You don't know my heart. Only God knows my heart. That's true. God knows your heart. But your words and what communicates out of your mouth can also portray what's coming out of your heart. So people can have an idea, a clue, if you will, of what is in your heart. So that little mantra gets old sometimes because as time goes on, sometimes you can discern what's in someone's heart about a certain matter. If all they talk about and all they say and all they do with it out of their mouth, okay, you can discern, you can draw a conclusion. You can judge righteously sometimes. Psalm nineteen fourteen says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Okay, so the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart go together. They're, they're connected. Just like Jesus Christ said, he said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So they're connected. They're important. Psalm fifty nine twelve. For the sin of their mouth and the words of their lips, let them even be taken in their pride for their cursing and lying which they speak. So God can judge according to our speech, according to our words, because they're important. And we're going to be judged for every idle word in which we speak. That's a fact. And Jesus said in Matthew twelve thirty six, But I say unto you, that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. Every idle word. 
that man shall speak. All of us will give an account. So that verse there shows also that you can sin with your mouth. Words can be sin. Of course, we know this, but it's just important to remember it. And it doesn't have to be a swear word or a so-called dirty word or a bad word. What we say, how we say it, it can be sin. For the sin of their mouth and the words of their lips, let them even be taken in their pride and for their cursing and lying which they speak. Okay, so we need to have our heart perfect before God. Psalm 86 verse 11 says, Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. It's in the heart is where it begins. In a right relationship in your heart with God. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you, with meekness and fear. See, if you're not sanctified in your heart toward God, if we don't have a perfect heart toward God, we're less useful. We won't have the fear of the Lord. We won't have the meekness and the love to answer people correctly in sharing the gospel and sharing the hope of Christ with them. And again, that's words, sharing the word of God out of a right heart, out of a right purposed heart toward God and his mission and his will for people to be saved and his will for us to share truth. Amen? Sharing the truth in love. 1 Kings 11.4, talking about Solomon, for it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. Now, obviously, that wasn't saying that David was sinless, but his heart was perfect toward God in a way that Solomon's wasn't. Solomon went after other gods, sadly, his wives. Multiple, multiple wives led him astray after false idols, strange gods. So his heart was diverted. Second Chronicles 25 talks about Amaziah, verse 2, And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect heart. That's very sad. It, you know, these, these things cause us to pause and should give us a sober warning and step back and really examine our hearts. Even if you're doing something right towards the Lord, it can be not with a perfect heart. But the main thing we're talking about today is how our heart sets our speech and our words that come forth. But obviously just seeing there that, I mean, the, our heart has an effect on everything and we can be deceived. So we need to be vigilant. The devil Satan is out there trying to deceive us, and he'll use emotions, feelings, and your heart to deceive you. It is possible. And that's why it's so important not to follow after the world. Everything in the movies, in the music, in the songs, it's always saying, follow your heart. Follow your heart. Follow your dreams. Follow your heart, your journey, and all this stuff about you, you, you. It's very deceptive, and that's what Satan uses to trick and deceive people and get them away from the truth in God's word. Don't follow your heart. 
follow Jesus Christ, follow the Bible, his word. God's word is established forever in heaven. Follow his word. We need to set our heart to unite in fear of the Lord and submit our heart to his will, not the other way around. And then our words will follow after that. And our actions, which our words are part of our actions, our fruit, our testimony will follow after that. Ecclesiastes 5, 2 through 3. Be not rash with thy mouth, and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven, and thou upon earth. Therefore let thy words be few. For a dream cometh through the multitude of business, and a fool's voice is known by multitude of words. Too much talking all the time, it can lead to sin. Meditate on things. Bring things before God before you blurt things out. Think, is this worth saying? What am I saying? Proverbs 18.21 Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. The tongue is a powerful instrument that can obviously be used for good or for evil. Preaching the gospel from a pure conscience out of a right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ from the, through the Holy Spirit, a, a born-again preacher, uses his tongue to declare the truth that Jesus Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he's coming again to judge the living and the dead. And that people need to repent and believe the gospel, call upon the name of Jesus Christ to be saved. Only Jesus Christ can save. And then our tongue can also be used for wrong. And sadly, sometimes even born-again Christians use our tongues for wrong. There's such a thing as backbiting. There's such a thing as slander. And God forbid, if we do these things, we need to repent and get right with God and ask his forgiveness and seek him because it'll just mess everything up. It'll cause a root of bitterness to get in too. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and we need to, this is not word of faith, you know, you can speak things into existence. I want a new Cadillac, you know, blah, 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 and it's going to come to pass and all that. That's wrong. That's witchcraft. God is not our blue genie from Aladdin Disney movie, okay? We can bring our prayers and supplications to the Lord, and according to his will, out of his good pleasure, he will answer. We don't boss God around and tell him what to do and speak things into existence. That's not what death and life are in the power of the tongue means. Okay, James 3, 5 through 6, Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. Think about that. There is power in your words, and your tongue needs to be brought into subjection, and so does mine. This is important doctrine to learn about. Words are important. Exodus 20, verse 7, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, 
for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. This is another way we can use our tongue to do wrong. If you take the Lord's name in vain, it isn't always swearing and saying the name of Jesus Christ in a vain way, as a swear word or as a curse. It goes without saying, that's sin. But it can also be misrepresenting the name of the Lord, taking his name upon you, saying, I'm a Christian, and then doing wrong, preaching false doctrine, leading people astray, acting wickedly, participating or condoning things that are wrong and sinful, watching things, doing things, being part of a crowd or a discussion that's wrong, going along with the flow, the world, not taking a stand against the wicked darkness and things that are going on, being silent even, being unkind, unloving, not walking in the fruit of the Spirit, that can be taking the Lord's name in vain also because you're saying, look at me, I'm a Christian, and then you're performing and acting in unchristlike behavior. That can be taking the Lord's name in vain. We need to be careful, very careful, every day to represent the Lord according to his word, according to the truth in the scripture. Philippians two fourteen through 15 says, Do all things without grumbling or questioning, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God, without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Amen? We're supposed to shine with the truth in the midst of this dark and crooked and perverse, wicked world, wicked generation. And that has to do with us being a good testimony. Do all things without grumbling and without questioning to be blameless and innocent. In other words, if you're asked to do something, don't question it. Don't talk back. Don't grumble and complain, even inwardly, in your heart. Oh, I have to do that. Oh, I have to. No, don't do that. That's, that's crooked and perverse. And that's unthankful. We need to thank God that we're able to do all these things for him. And no matter what we're doing, we're supposed to be doing it unto the Lord. First Corinthians 10.31 Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. In Colossians 3.17 <clears throat> says, And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. See, in word or deed, being thankful, doing unto God. Colossians 3.23 and whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Amen? So without grumbling, without questioning, no matter what things we're doing, we're supposed to do it unto the Lord. So if you're doing everything unto the Lord, you better be doing it without grumbling or questioning. We're supposed to do all things without grumbling or questioning. Now, that was just a few verses to cover a lot about the tongue and about how we use our speech but when we come back I want to talk about minced oaths and what the meaning of those is and how we're going to be judged for using speech like that in front of unbelievers and other people and what the meaning in the heart really is of those words we'll be right back on Truth Dealer Radio Truth Dealer Radio 
No matter what time zone you're in, it's truth o'clock. Since 2016, KJV Prepper has been providing quality, original Christian apparel and gear that will witness to non-believers and encourage believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. All apparel is printed here in beautiful upstate New York. Visit KJVPrepper.com for effective Christian apparel. Worn to warn. Praise God. Welcome back to Truth Dealer Radio. So before the break, we were talking about generally speaking about words and our speech, some of the things the Bible has to say about how we're supposed to focus our heart toward God, and then our, our speech will be more holy. And now I wanted to talk about minced oaths. A minced oath isn't euphemistic expression formed by misspelling, mispronouncing, or replacing as a part of a profane or blasphemous or taboo term to reduce the original term's objectionable characteristics. Some examples include gosh, okay, that's replaced for God. That's all it is. And this is according to, now this is according to Wikipedia, a secular source about minced oaths. It's just a secular listing of what minced oaths are. So gosh is a replacement for God. So I don't care if it's, you know, happy days or leave it to beaver or who it is. It's wrong. And it's it's just a replacement word to take God's name in vain, which is blasphemy. So from the heart, as Jesus said, it's wrong. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And we're going to go through a long list of these. And this is not to be nitpicky. This is to get us to, like I said, we're going to be accountable for every idle word. But if these words aren't even actually idle, they're actually wrong to say because out of the heart, it means it means what it means. It's just a replacement word. So we need to consider it and pray about it. There's no reason not to. It's important to God. Words are important to God. He communicated through words. The Lord Jesus Christ is the word made flesh. Words are very important to God. And the way we represent him is important to him. Otherwise, we can take the, the name of the Lord, our God, in vain and represent and say, we talk just like the world. When the world understands what these things mean, they know shoot is a substitute word for the other S word. So and it says right here, it is replacing part of a profane, blasphemous, or taboo term to reduce the term's objectionable characteristics. So it's just to kind of make it go over everybody's head and legitimize cursing and get everybody to do it without thinking about it. Well, I don't think it reduces the objectionable characteristics in the eyes of God, Almighty God, who said that it's sin and who knows what's in our heart. So we need to be honest about what's in our heart and examine all these things. Amen. Some examples, again, include gosh, replacement for God, darn, replacement for damn, heck is a replacement for hell, and fudge, which is a replacement for <laughs> minced oaths, the words used as substitutes for curse or swear words in polite company. Back, this is part back to the definition. Minced oaths use seemingly unrelated words rather than substituting curse words with clinical or less offensive words that share the same meaning. Okay, so they share the same meaning. 
So the guy, you know, stub your toe or hit your hand on a hammer or do something, and you say, shoot, it's the same meaning, okay? It's the same meaning, and we all need to consider it. And I know there's a lot of pastors, especially in the Baptist circles, they say stinking this and shoot and stinking that and flipping this and flipping that. It's not right. It's a bad habit at the very least, but it's just a replacement for cursing and it has the same meaning. And people aren't stupid. The lost world knows it has the same meaning because they do it too. Maybe we can just subtract those things from our tongue, from our vocabulary, and have a much more higher standard, a holy standard for our tongue and use our tongue to serve Jesus Christ who's holy. And it's it's going to take effort because we're trained... As a lost person, you're trained your whole life, all these different things. They're habits. It's very, very hard to bring your tongue under subjection. It's as a fire, the Bible says. You know, the power in the tongue is unbelievable. So it's not like it's easy to subtract out a whole style like this, but we need to face the fact it's wrong in God's eyes and make an effort to reduce this. It's going to require some repentance and God's grace to make an effort to do this change. If you do so decide this is something that should be changed. I have decided I need to work on this. And with God's help, it's getting better. (laughs) Continuing on, it says, Interestingly, minced oaths themselves can become so associated with the original that they themselves become taboo over time. And the word curse even gets substituted by some with cuss. So that means cussing, swearing, cursing. It all has the same meaning. So even that word cuss is a minced oath from curse. So it takes on the same meaning. It has the same meaning. Some more of these terms are to substitute for by God, bigora. Okay, that's an Irish term. I recognize that from being Irish. Well, that's the original term of that. It really is a substitute for by God. By George, by golly, by gum, by Joe, by Jove. Okay? Those are all substitutes for by God. By Jesus. Okay? This, these words are a substitute for by Jesus. Be jabbers, be Jesus. You ever hear somebody say, You're scared to be Jesus out of me? It's blasphemy. Christ. These are a substitute for Christ. Christmas, Christopher Columbus, crap. Crikey, criminy, cripes, crud, substitute for damn, dang, darn, and drats. Okay, we've heard that everything from cartoons onward. Well, it's a substitute curse word, and the meaning comes out of the heart. You don't say most of these exclamations in a happy circumstance. I guess these days people swear for any reason. They swear all the time. They can't talk without swearing, it seems. But for the most part, like I said... It's an exclamation. It's a curse. You trip, you fall, you break something, you drop a glass and it shatters or something. There's a curse word that people will utter or or yell or say. Damnation has a substitute, tarnation. Dickens is actually a substitute for devil. Get the Dickens out of them or whatever. Devil. It's a substitute for devil. See, a lot of times these words don't sound the same. They just start with the same letter. And these people over time substituted it in. It's, It's supposed to be so cute. But it has the same meaning. It's like a little code language. 
Ogad, okay, has substitutes of Egad, Gali, Gali G, Goodness, Gosh, and Gracious. Well, there you go. These are all minced oaths. God blind me. What an awful thing to say. Well, this term, Korblimey, in England, that's what that means. That's what that's supposed to mean. Korblimey means God blind me. This is terrible things to say. And we're going to get to worse ones. Okay, now the next bunch, the next group, is when people asking God to damn things. I don't want to say the actual phrase, but these minced oaths, concern it, dad blame it, dad blast, dad burn, dad gum, dag nab, dag nab it, you know, dog gone, goal damn, goal dang, and goal darn. And I heard a man, a lost man, just the other day said one of these things. I can't remember which one he said, but it just, you know, to me it sounds like Yosemite Sam on Bugs Bunny, you know, with some of these terms. But people are out there saying them all the time. And we shouldn't join in with it and encourage it and legitimize it. Because in God's eyes, I know this is wrong. We're supposed to have our speech seasoned with salt to the edification of the hearers. And we're supposed to do everything without any grumbling or questioning. And we're supposed to be holy like our Father in heaven is holy. None of this is holy. This is one I've never heard of. God rot it. And I guess drat is a substitute for that. Don't ask me where they came up with it. But this is the history of it. God's hooks. Okay? God's hooks. This is referring directly to the nails in Jesus Christ's hands and feet on the cross. So you see what a wicked origin that is. Okay, that's where the word gadzooks comes from. Gadzooks. You know, like I said, all the stupid cartoons and comics and all that stuff. That's what that means. It's mocking the nails in Jesus Christ's hands and feet. God's hooks. What a wicked term. Okay, this is all now replacements for good God. People saying good gravy, good grief, you know, like Charlie Brown. Goodness sakes, sakes alive, great Caesar's ghost, great Scott. Hell, obviously the replacements are hack, H-E double toothpicks. We've all heard that. Sam Hill, I guess that's another minced oath, minced oath for hell. Holy God or Holy Jesus has a replacement of Holy Cow or Holy Smokes. Okay, and then there's also Holy Moses, Holy Mackerel, Holy Moly. Those are supposed to be replacements for Holy Mother. Horse Feathers, Horse Hockey, Horse Pucky. Okay, you could figure out what that means. Horse Dung. I'll use that phrase. It's a King James Bible word. But it's a word that starts with S. And that's what those are replacements for. Replacements for the name of the Lord, Jesus, as a curse word, are following cheese, G, G whiz, G willikers, Jeebus, Jeepers, G's, Jehoshaphat's, She's, and G's Louise. And I've heard these terms growing up all my life from people in the family 
all the time. That's what it is. It's a replacement curse word for taking the Lord's name in vain. And this is a historical fact. That's where these stupid terms came from. The curse words. Jesus Christ, the name of God manifest in the flesh, the Son of God, people substitute this to curse the name of the Lord. Cheese and crackers, cheese and rice. Oh, it's so cute. It rhymes. Jeepers Creepers, Jiminy Cricket, Judas Priest, which is also the name of a wicked heavy metal band, Jumping Jehoshaphat. And for the Lord's sake, people would say, Land's sake. I've also heard people say, Oh my land. Well, what do you think that means? Oh my land? You just bought some land? No. It's replacing, oh my Lord. Oh my God, the replacements are my goodness, my gracious, my word, and sometimes simply, oh my. I don't know how far you want to take this. It's between you and God. But I just want to go through these because it's something we need to learn. And it's something that needs to be corrected, I believe, in the speech of a lot of Christians. Especially pastors out there, like I said, they're constantly throwing out stinkingness and flipping that. And it's really offensive. And they're not getting away with anything. They're corrupting the flock, encouraging that kind of speech, which is foolishness and corrupt and folly. And they're going to answer to God for it. So I pray that we can all repent on some level of this and and get back to a more holy standard with our tongues and really think about what we're saying and purposefully give God glory when we speak the way the Bible asks us to and commands us to. And that's our reasonable service to do so. Colossians 4, 6, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. Titus 2, 6 through 8, young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. So you have these people using these minced oaths. And if you're joining in with it, you're not using sound speech that cannot be condemned to make them part of another system that they may be ashamed having no evil thing to say of you. If you're just like them saying stinking and flipping and shoot and dang and all these things all the time, there's no difference there. There's no sound speech there. There's no salt there. And it's not uncorruptness, gravity, and sincerity in sound speech. And it's not sober-minded. So these pastors that are out there dropping all these minced oaths every left and right, they really do need to consider their speech. So do we, all of us, as Christians, naming the name of Christ, that we don't take the name of the Lord in vain. Because words are important to God, and we're supposed to be set apart and have a holy standard and carry the banner of our God. Amen. Ephesians four twenty nine and 30 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. 
and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. See, corrupt communication grieves the Holy Spirit of God. And this doesn't just mean lying. This is telling us neither give place to the devil right before there. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of our mouth. But that which is good. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 says, Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Okay, if these things are not good, we need to let go and leave it behind and separate. Son of God has a replacement. Son of a gun. And I always kind of thought son of a gun was a replacement for son of a a female dog. But evidently, the history of it is it's a replacement for cursing son of God. And now, the last one is going to be just a personal favorite, which I never knew the history of. Suffering Savior. Who would ever think, you ever heard somebody say suffering Savior when they were upset or cursing suffering Savior? Take a listen to this. Suffering succotash, what am I waiting for? Suffering sassafras. That's right, suffering succotash. And suffering sassafras. Good old Daffy Duck. From the weird, crazy, reprobate Looney Tunes creators. So they want to mock the Lord Jesus Christ, our suffering Savior, who died for the sins of the world. And who rose again. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. They want to mock our suffering Savior, our Lord. And it doesn't really matter if all these people understand what they're saying. The devil understands it. It's one of the things I wanted to talk about. He knows the origin of these sayings, these catchphrases, these little terms, these habitual little things. And the spirit of Antichrist is at work in the world. And certainly Hollywood and music and TV and all these things, novels and books, and everywhere where these minced oaths are used and promoted constantly throughout the world, Satan knows the reason. He's mocking the Lord Jesus Christ. He's cursing God. Don't let him use your tongue in your mouth to curse God, your Savior, okay? This is something we all need to take seriously and revisit and study. So that's what I wanted to get into today and talk about words. Words are important to God. Words are what we're going to be judged by. And I pray that you'll consider it. I'm not trying to be come down on anyone. I just want us all to think about it. I mean, as representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ, as ambassadors of Christ, these things are really important. And, you know, when you think about the apostles, Peter and Paul and James and all of them, Timothy, John, do you think they went around using these silly, weird, and blasphemous terms? No. They were men of God. They had integrity and character. And they spoke with purpose for the Lord Jesus Christ. And they didn't play games. And they didn't grumble And they strove to please God with their words. And their words, they understood, came out of the intentions out of their heart and the meditation of their heart. So we need to get right in our heart towards God and allow him to help us correct our speech. It's going to be his work. Like I said, some of these habits are ingrained. We need God's help. 
just like anything else. And I don't believe this is a silly matter, but God can perform it. God can help us with it. Just like any other habit, any other sin, we need to confess it to God and ask for his help and let him help. But it needs to happen in our heart first. We need to focus back on him and realize, okay, we went astray in this area. I've went astray in this area. Please help me, Lord. And God help us all, and he will, as he does with every other area in our life that needs to be sanctified. So I praise God. I thank you for listening. Truth Dealer Radio is listener-supported. If you would like to help support Truth Dealer Radio, there's a way to do that at truthdealer-radio.com. God bless you, and I hope you join me again next time. Be strong. Truth Dealer Radio. No matter what time zone you're in, it's Truth O'Clock. TruthDealerRadio.com. You keep talking about Jesus. Some folks out there just might be listening.